Welcome to the RYR Endurance Team Podcast. We are grateful that you've chosen to tune in and listen. If you are a runner, aspiring runner, triathlete, or aspiring triathlete, you are in the right place. We love sharing what we know about these sports. If you like what you hear, you can always learn more by contacting us at ryrcoach at gmail.com or by visiting our website, ryrenduranceteam.com. Hey, if you enjoy our podcast, please do us a favor. Give us a five-star review and subscribe. This helps others find us. Thanks for listening. What are you doing? I'm thinking about how to kick this podcast off. Oh, I guess I just beat you to the punch then, didn't I? That's okay. (laughs) Sometimes I say... Top of the morning. Top of the morning. Sometimes I say... Good evening. Hello, Coach Paula. Sometimes I sing the Mr. Rogers song. You do? I have. Well, let's hear that. No, let's go ahead. Oh, okay. So guess what? What? Ellie Ann, after five weeks, is finally well. She has had a runny nose for the longest time. Yes, and when she wants her nose wiped, she says, at the top of her lungs, the most unusual thing... I didn't teach her to say snot bubbles. Snot bubbles! (laughs) I'm just not sure where she picked up such language. Well, I was blaming her daddy, but he claims it was not him. And then he kind of gave a side eye over to Shelby, but I'm still kind of blaming Jacob for that. So two weeks ago, I had her out in the wagon, and I was all the way at the other end of our street. And she started yelling, snot bubbles. <laughs> and of course, I had forgotten tissue. So we had to hightail it back. Oh, home. boy. So, and she was very talented and able to blow bubbles from her nose. But she would say that even if there were no bubbles, if her nose was just running. But thankfully, her sinuses have dried out. They took her to the doctor and he said that it was just allergens in the air that was causing the problem because her lungs were clear her ears were clear her throat was clear she just had all the congestion mm-hmm. but today i don't even think i heard one little cough well, that's wonderful finally praise the lord that that has passed so we went to the park today ellie and i and the only thing she wanted to do was swing which we have a swing in our backyard in the shade and with a chair And it's hot here in Kentucky. It was a very warm and humid day, but we went this morning, about 9 o'clock this morning. It was still a little stuffy, but nothing like this afternoon. But I finally got her over onto the merry-go-round, and I was just gently pushing. There were several kids on the merry-go-round. This one little girl kept going, push it faster, push it faster. And I said, well, you can get off and push it faster, thinking she probably wouldn't. She did. And I was a little scared for Ellie, but she was laughing it up, having a big old time. I presume she was sitting. Oh, yeah. She wanted the blue chair, not the green chair. Good to know if I ever take her to the park. Yep. So she had fun. That's something I'm looking forward to when I eventually retire from my day job is on days that she is here and you decide to go to the park or maybe I'll just decide to go to the park. We can spend some time together. 
Yeah, but I'm thinking by the time you retire from your day job, she may be in school. Hmm. But they're summers. Yes. So speaking of summers, when Jacob and Shelby go on their second honeymoon this summer and we keep Ellie some, we're going to have to make some big plans. Big plans. Big plans. I need to. I've already got that on my calendar. Your work calendar? I do. That's good. So tell me about your training this week so far. Okay, so last week, a week ago, well, I guess two weeks ago now, the time this podcast airs, I was down for the count with bronchitis or something, and I continued to do my streak run, and I actually did some workouts, which we talked about, but this week, I have felt extremely sluggish, so sometimes I think the side effects of medication hit me harder than the illness itself. Either that or it's just delayed with my body being exhausted. So this week I have continued my streak, but I actually skipped my workout yesterday and kept it easy. And I thought about just moving the workout to today, but Suzanne met me today and she was just doing an easy run. So I did that with her. And then tomorrow she has just an easy run. So I think I'm just going to keep it easy this week and continue my streak and keep my mileage at a decent amount and just let my body rest and recover a little bit more. And hopefully the day this podcast is releasing, Monday, I'll be back at it, hitting my VO2 max goals and my lactate threshold goals. Working hard. Yep. No rest for the weary. Yep. But I'm still enjoying running, even though feeling a little sluggish. It is a blessing when you are healthy enough to do the training that you want to do. Yes, it is. So I have done a few test runs this week. And you're still standing. I'm still doing okay. I feel a little bit in my foot, so I'm a little nervous about that. But that may just be par for the course as I'm adjusting to running again but the the running has been a pleasure and the physical therapy that I continue to do is getting more intense. I was worn out after physical therapy earlier today. I was breathing hard and my muscles were sore so hopefully we're focusing on the right parts of my body that are causing injuries so that I will be more resilient when I start ramping things up. Yeah, and your new physical therapist is also a personal trainer. And so I really think in your physical therapy sessions, you're really probably getting some personal training workouts as well. Yes, I agree. And when I am visiting him, it's Kevin Booth, who we interviewed previously. He has four or five other people at his gym and he moves between the athletes or the patients or the customers, whatever you want to call them, giving them different things to do and just keeps everybody busy. He spends a little bit more time with me because he's dry needling. I thought you were going to say because you're high maintenance. I am high maintenance. (laughs) I am high maintenance. That's for sure. So you were talking about your streak run. I read an article this week from Women's Running Magazine online about a streak runner. Jackie Hunt Broersma set a world record for running 104 marathons 
in 104 days. And it looks like she has a prosthetic leg. Not that that makes any difference other than it's amazing to overcome that type of a injury and, and push your limits. Wait, before we before we go any more in depth, are we doing random news nuggets at the moment? I'm just blending this one in since you talked about your streak. Okay. Uh, you know, but it was going to be part of a random news nugget. Okay, because you know it seems to be your new favorite part of the podcast. It is, and this in this article, Jackie talks about how difficult this achievement was, and some of the things that helped her overcome the struggles. And I'll just go through these. She said to remember why you're doing it, and why was she doing it. She wanted to get a world record, and she was raising money for a charity. Was the previous world record 103? I don't know what the previous world record was. I'm just curious why she stopped at 104. I don't know, but the article said that three days after she broke her streak, she was ready to start running again. She broke her streak, or she broke her marathon streak? Her marathon streak. And apparently, she was at Boston when we were there. That was one of her 104 marathons. Another key to success in this accomplishment, she said, was just knowing in advance that it was going to be hard. Just wrapping your mind around that it's going to be difficult. And then also breaking it into smaller chunks, one mile at a time. Celebrate those small milestones. And she had friends who would join her on some of the runs and some family members that would join her for parts of the runs. And she said it's important to overcome your negative thoughts. And the next big adventure for her is the Moab 240. Oh, my. And so that is definitely a big challenge. I think if she can run 26 marathons or 126 miles, 104 days in a row, she's got Moab. Yeah. And the article said that one day she started her run. She did 13 miles. And then she took a break. She had to run her kids somewhere to drop them off and then resumed her run later. Hmm. And some friends were saying that that marathon won't count because you broke it up into two runs. So she did another marathon that day. Some friends, I guess they just wanted to make sure she got the world record. Yeah, you would hate to get to 104 and figure out that number 65 didn't count. Well, surely she... Had somebody that could have hauled the children that day. Priorities, you know. She's on a streak. You got to know where your priorities are at. (laughs) All right. Do you have anything else before I go into some more random news nuggets? I don't. You brought this up to me, but I wanted to discuss it with you a little bit further to see what else you know about this. But there was an article about... The six-year-old boy who ran the Cincinnati Flying Pig Marathon. First of all, what do you what do you you think about that? I I think he and his family finished in eight hours after the cutoff. I think social media blew up. That's what I think. I don't envision twenty-six point two miles in a day being healthy for a six-year-old child. I know we, uh, our youngest athlete that we coach is 13, and I certainly do not want her mileage anywhere near that. 
in one day. And it seems like most orthopedic pediatric opinions on this are that if you're under 18, you're not really developed enough to train for a marathon much less run the marathon untrained. And even if they were walking the entire thing, because if you do some simple math, maybe they averaged around 20 minutes a mile. That's just a long time to be out in the weather on your feet at that age. Well, my understanding too, and again, I don't know. I wasn't there. I don't know the family. I don't know the motivation. But my understanding was that the little boy was crying and not enjoying the day. I don't know. I don't like to judge other families and what they do with their children. But I will say that if you read the rules for the Flying Pig, which is a certified course, it explicitly states that participants have to be 18. And so they broke the rule not only for this six-year-old boy, but also he had some other siblings run it as well, and they were beneath 18. And I just think rules are there for a reason. And, you know, they also, these marathons also have rules that you can't take nutrition from fans and people do that. Or you can't jump in and pace with somebody and people do that. So, I mean, the rules are bent often. But the rules that are there for safety Mm -hmm. really ought to be adhered to. Right. So, I, I mean, in my opinion, it's poor judgment. I mean, Ellie's only two, but when she's six, I'm not going to be encouraging her to run a marathon. But it might be fun to have her do the city or county little 1K, 2K fun runs or whatever that they have oh boy. in town. That'll be fun. If she enjoys it. Again, it's about, you know, when they're six, it's about let's have some fun and let's just enjoy being active. But no, I I thought it was fake news when I first heard it. But as I delved into it, I realized it was true. And they have removed him from the results. And I'm sure that's because there was a cutoff. And, you know, even Boston does that. You can cross the finish line and get your medal. But if you didn't complete it in the time limit, they don't publish your name in the results Mm -hmm. as having finished the Boston Marathon. The article that I read had a comment from the race organizer saying that the family had participated as a bandit the previous year. So this year, they let them sign up thinking that it would be more safe for them to be official participants rather than running bandit. I don't know. Even if you're running bandit, you're going to be able to pick up stuff at the aid stations. Yeah, I think that's just an excuse. And evidently there was in-depth conversations between the parents and the race director because, according to the parents, the race director even weighed the necessity of having a doctor sign off on it for the six-year-old. So, I don't know. The whole thing's just strange. It's not something that I would encourage. But again, not my child. Random news nugget. Moving right along, the Google I.O. Developer Conference occurred last week, and there were a couple of interesting developments that Google announced, one of which is improvements to Google Maps. It's going to have a more immersive view that'll be even better than the street view that they currently have, and it will even be able to show you the inside of the buildings. 
So it's like almost being there. It's moving in that direction towards the metaverse. We'll talk about the metaverse some other day. Oh, I'm just a little confused by that because, you know, Google Maps comes down our street. Are they going to be able to see inside our house? I don't think so. I think it's for businesses that want people to be able to see inside of them. Hmm, interesting. Yeah. And since I'm talking about Google Maps, it reminds me of, I don't think we've talked about this on a previous podcast, but when we were in Boston, we did all kinds of walking. I found that in Google Maps, there is a live view that was a game changer for me in navigating while walking. I've never played Pokemon Go, but I'm kind of envisioning it being like that, where you're holding your phone up so that the camera is active. And on the screen, I could see what's in front of me, where I'm headed. But overlaid on the screen is like the current street I'm on and which direction I need to go. Anyway, it was a game changer. It was. I mean, it was almost like you had an innate sense of direction when we were in Boston. As I was walking around carrying my, my <laughs> Staring phone. Staring at your phone, but hey, we never had to make a U-turn. Yeah. Another announcement at the Google conference was that the Google Home Assistant, which I think they call it the Nest Home Assistant, can be set up where you don't have to say, hey, Google, all you have to do is look in the direction of the assistant and it will start answering whatever you say next. Isn't that creepy? Yes, it is. So not only does it have... A microphone, it's got an eye. It's keeping up with you. Yeah, and that's how they're getting their Google Maps inside the building views. Well, we've got one of those devices, an older model. Yeah, I think it's in a drawer unplugged somewhere. It is. It still might be listening, though. I wasn't a fan of having that thing in our home. You've got Siri on your iPhone. Yeah, I'm not a huge fan of that either. And one more announcement from the Google conference is the ability to search by picture, not just by words. I feel like that's a game changer. Like, I had a home project to do a couple weeks ago. One of our closet doors was no longer shutting, and I was unable to repair the ball catch that was used to keep the door closed. And I didn't even really know what it was called, but I did some... Well, first of all, I went to True Value which is a very small hardware store in our town. And they had one, but it was the wrong size. And then I went to Home Depot. They didn't have the right size. I went to Lowe's. They didn't have the right size. Anyway, finally found it on Amazon. But when Google updates Google search to be able to search for a picture, it'll be a game changer. So let's suppose that you see a picture online of your favorite runner and you're curious to know what kind of shoes they're wearing you just take that picture and feed it through google search and it'll tell you what kind of shoes they're wearing amazing amazing all right the, the last little random news nugget i want to talk about when we were watching the iron man world championship i guess it's two weeks ago now maybe a week ago i lose track of time there was a new company that was sponsoring the cycling course, the bike leg, and it was a company called Full Gas. Do you remember that? Full Gas, F-U-L, 
G-A-Z, full I gas. Do, I do not remember that. Okay, well, this is yet another cycling platform. So we talked about Zwift, and then we talked about RGT being bought by Wahoo. And now you've got full gas, and full gas claims to be less virtual, more reality. And I did a little research on it. Not a whole lot, but they're strength is that they take actual ride camera video and speed data, power data, and they process that manually and automated, I'm sure. And they produce videos that you can access through their service and it'll control your bike trainer. And so during the Ironman World Championship, they were saying that they had the St. George bike course within their platform so the athletes could hop on the trainer and practice on the, the climbs at St. George from the comfort of their home. And back when you and I first got into triathlon, we had a compu trainer and we invested in something similar, some videos of the Ironman Louisville course and a video of the Ironman World Championship course, but the quality was less than desirable. I'm thinking that this service is probably a notch above what that was back in the day. And I never rode those. I did really all my training outside when I trained for Louisville. There was no reason not to. I was training through the Spring and summer. Yeah. But in addition to being able to ride whatever actual course is available, you can also do group rides and races. But unlike Zwift or the RGT, if you're doing a group ride or racing, you don't see the other people on the screen, but there's some data on the screen letting you know where the other athletes are at and how much power they're pushing watts per kilogram, speed, and all that stuff. So, interesting. Just more online cycling platforms. So, is it more geared toward triathlon, non-draft triathlon racing? If you don't see the other cyclists? That is an aspect of their platform. There is no drafting. Which, honestly, if you're training for Ironman, you don't need to be drafting. Right. Yeah. And if you're on Zwift... And you don't want to draft, you can use a time trial bike. All right, you ready to get into the main topic? The main event. All right, so another thing that struck my interest when we were watching the Ironman World Championship was an advertisement for Ironman VeloSkill Masterclass. And the advertisement was talking about cycling at the famous climb in the Tour de France, the uh, Alpe d'Huez which would be frightening, but also amazing and exhausting to do that particular climb and descent because it has so much history from the Tour de France. And for about $2,800, you can participate in their three days of training and six nights of travel. But that advertisement made me think of the summer season is upon us, and vacations are going to start coming in, and it's important to figure out how you're going to continue to do your training 
when you are vacationing. So training while vacationing. And we actually have one of our athletes who left for vacation this last week. And it was really good timing after one of her big races. Good timing. So as summer approaches and students are finishing their semester, families are planning their vacation. And we've got some vacations that we're looking at. It's great to be able to relax and reconnect with family, get away from the hustle and bustle. But it can be stressful as well if you are trying to train while you're on vacation, especially if you have a big race coming up. And like I was saying when we were talking about the 104 marathons in 104 days, your family is more important than your hobby, but that doesn't mean your hobby is not important. It's just important to discuss your training plans, your training needs with your family, and that should be part of the conversation as you're picking out the location and the accommodations. You need to set an expectation on the volume of training and what you'll need to take with you. Are you going to take your bike? You might need a place to swim. You might need a a fitness room or a temporary gym membership. And these are all things that you need to think about before you travel so that you're not stressed out when you're supposed to be relaxing. And if you have a coach, they can certainly coordinate your training if you let them know well enough in advance to help you make the most of your vacation and maintain your fitness. Yeah, as coaches, our athletes are pretty good about letting us know in advance when they're going to be traveling. But every once in a while, we'll just look in training peaks and see that an athlete's in a different city. Or a different country. And so we touch base with the athlete and say, hey, is the training load and the schedule, like, is it okay? Like, is it? (laughs) Anyway, communication's key. Communication is key. Now, if you're going on a vacation with your training buddies... You still need to do a lot of research in advance to figure out what is available, but that's a whole different experience than going on vacation with family or friends who aren't into the same activities that you are in. It won't be any fun for anyone if you disappear to do some training and surprise the rest of your travel companions. Especially if you take the vehicle and leave them stranded. Again, it's just communication, working it out. If you're married, talk with your spouse. And if they just say, hey, we really need a week of downtime and the training not be a priority, work through that and respect it. You're not going to lose a ton of fitness in a one-week vacation. Because people, in general, are more active on vacation anyway than they are during their regular life at home. Yeah. I know the worst timing that we ever had was in 2019 when we did our Out West trip about three or four weeks out from my A-Race marathon. So. And that whole trip was in a car. Yeah, so it was very difficult to figure out how to get that those runs in and fortunately Bethany was training for the same marathon and so it worked for her and I mean we made it work and Jacob and Shelby were great about it but I remember in one location we ended up doing laps around a Greyhound bus station. (laughs) I remember that. So it was a little weird but 
We got it in. It was a workout, too. I, I ran that with you, yes. Yes, you did. If your vacation is to a training camp, I mean, that's a whole different story as well. But the main focus I want to at least start on is just how do you train while going on a vacation, while going on a vacation with people who are not training with you. So uh, the first thing to do is to talk it over with your family, your spouse, and make sure that they're comfortable in understanding that you need to do some training to help you get to your big goals. And you need to coordinate with your coach. It could be that you could coordinate for the time that you're on vacation to be a recovery period with less volume, less intensity. As a result, it's going to take less time away from your family. And you need recovery periods every once in a while to soak up your fitness gains. So you should really look at your recovery period, whether it's on vacation or not, as a positive and not a negative. You need that rest and relaxation so that you can perform better on your upcoming weeks where the intensity is higher. Yeah, and with our athletes, if they've planned ahead, unlike we did in 2019, then you're not going to plan your A race such that your huge training block is going to be in the middle of your vacation. So if we have an athlete that's not in the middle of training for an A race, we may say, hey, swim if it's fun, bike if it's fun, run if it's fun, do those things if it fits. If not, we'll see you when you get home. (laughs) Yeah, it'll be a really good mental break if the athlete isn't stressed out about not training. Yeah, and especially if you're in a marriage where you are an athlete in training and your spouse has other hobbies and interests that have nothing to do with swimming, biking, or running, sometimes it's really great just to honor that and step away from those activities as a priority while you're on vacation. Yeah. So planning ahead is key. If cycling is part of your training then you need to figure out in advance what you're going to ride. Are you going to transport your bike, which is an ordeal in itself? Are you going to rent a bike? Will your accommodations have a stationary bike? You just need to plan ahead. I'm chuckling here because when you did Kona, the World Championships, in 2016, I had my A race two weeks after that in Florida. And so... You, in advance, arranged and rented a bike for me in Kona because it was enough stress to transport your bike. I did not want to transport my bike to Hawaii. As it turns out, the rented bike was not that great of a bike, so I didn't really cycle that much before your race. And then after your race, we made a few adjustments to your bike, and I trained on it a little bit. And you... Got to experience some of the famous course out there. Yeah, uh, the swim course I thoroughly enjoyed because the water was so clear. Mm-hmm. Swimming with the dolphins, basically. And you were out on the, the Queen K on the bike? Yeah, and then the run course. I, I mean, I didn't navigate much of it, but just the pieces that were close to our condo. Alihi Drive. Mm-hmm. So if you're... Planning on swimming while you're on vacation? Are you going to be swimming in open water? 
Does the pool have a lap pool, which is pretty uncommon? Does um, the hotel have a lap pool? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Or are you going to go to a fitness center? Or maybe you just decide with your coach that you're just going to use swim cords while you're on vacation. I remember one vacation, you and I acquired a week-long membership to LA Fitness. And I never felt like such an amazing fast swimmer in my life because that pool, although they won't admit it, that pool was short. So the 25-yard pool was less than 25? Oh, yes. Because, I mean, that was the fastest I ever swam in my life. The water was pretty shallow, too. Do you think that had an impact on how fast you were going? No, I mean, it wasn't shallow enough like the pool when we went to swim camp that forced you to get an early vertical forearm or you were going to be smacking the bottom. No, it was short. That pool, I wish I'd had a tape measure with me, but (laughs) it was short. So another alternative for swimming, I really don't recommend it is a attachment to keep you in place in a small pool and you attach one end to yourself and around your waist and one end to a ladder or something like that and we have one of those a friend of ours gave us one and that is just hard yeah i mean i I wouldn't mind recommending it just keep your expectations realistic because you're probably not gonna do a 90 minute swim with that cord no so running is obviously the most convenient training option when you're traveling most accommodations have a treadmill and many destinations have green belts or green ways that are a safe way to get away from traffic and whether you're Swimming, biking, or running, you always want to keep safety first. It's important to know the rules of the road. If you're planning on riding or driving in an unfamiliar place, it's important to understand the water conditions and safe places to swim. And in our last podcast, we talked about the different color flags on the beach. It's also important to know whether it's safe to run outside the hotel and we've been in some locations where it was just a little sketchy outside the hotel. Just didn't feel super comfortable. Yeah, especially if you're traveling outside the country to an all-inclusive resort and you're encouraged to stay on property. You should probably follow that advice. Yeah. So before you travel, it may be a good idea to, to reach out to a sporting goods store or a fitness center in the destination city or if you're going through airbnb communicate through the app with the owner of the property to make sure you understand what's available on property and then what's available in the area whether that's a bike shop or a fitness center or a green belt or greenway and if you plan well your training could be some of the best sightseeing that you will get on your trip but you want to be careful when you're traveling, not to get lost. No, not that again. If you remember one of our earlier podcasts where we got lost on the beach, I got lost on the beach. You need to understand how to use your technology and remember to use your technology and know the name of your condo or the address. Always good. So I wanted to talk about some of the, the past trips we've taken and some accommodations we've made for 
maintaining our training. When I was in Ironman Texas, I had mapped out the, the bike course and was able to practice on that. And there was a fitness center close by where myself and other athletes preparing for the event were able to, to go to swim indoors. But again, planned that in advance. When we went to Destin on a family vacation, we took our bicycles, but we hadn't really planned in advance. And so when we got there, we didn't really know where we were going to ride because that was our first time to Destin. And I'm sure there are some really good places to ride, but we didn't find them. And there was a narrow bike path along this quite busy highway. And the three of us just didn't feel very comfortable at all. So that's a, a vacation where we did not plan very well. Speaking of planning well, when we've traveled to New Smyrna Beach in the past, I've tried to do some open water swimming in the ocean. And I was informed later by a friend that New Smyrna Beach is the shark attack capital of the world. And yeah, here you are. So needless to say, I will probably not be doing solo open water swims if we go to New Smyrna Beach again. But whenever you travel, whether it's in advance or after you get there, there are lots of ways to, to find running routes or cycling routes. Google Maps can be used to search for greenways. Map My Run, Map My Ride are, are great for finding places where other people have ridden. So like you were saying earlier, when we went out west, that was not the best timing for your upcoming A race. So think about the timing of your summer vacation or fall vacation, whenever it is, and try to avoid planning it around an A race. But if it is close to a B race, you know, that's fine. And maybe you plan your vacation around your race and then stay some extra time. And that's what we did when we were in Hawaii. And that was one of my favorite vacations for a lot of reasons, but yeah, and I think, too, going back to the Texas race, that was an important race to you because your goal was to qualify for the world championships at that race. And so this is just kind of a tip if you're listening and you have a spouse who is racing and you're not. What we did was you went on down a week before and I came down and joined later because at the time... I was working full-time, and it wouldn't have really made sense for me to take vacation days to go sightsee alone or sit in the condo and read a book while you were out training. And so we just came later. The family came later to support you during the race, but didn't take a bunch of vacation time so that you could get down there. and get. Of course, you took vacation time. Get yeah, I wanted there, to get I'll, your training in, get acclimated to the weather, to the course. The big key was to acclimate to a little bit hotter temperature and to really get a feel for the bike course. And that worked out well. So when you go on vacation, there are going to be surprises, just like there are going to be surprises on race day. And for your sake and those you're traveling with, just don't stress out. Just work through whatever circumstances, make the best of it. If you miss a few workouts, it's not going to make a huge impact on your race day if you have been consistent leading up and following the vacation. As we've talked about before, it's the full body of work that counts, not just one race, not just 
one missed workout or one bad workout. And if you find that you're not going to be able to swim, bike, or run, you could do other kinds of cross-training. Walking is always a good option. An easy spin on a spin bike is good. Core exercises in your hotel room are another option. Any of those options can help you get your heart rate up and help you maintain your fitness. Besides just talking about gear and locations and finding time to train, there are other aspects of training and traveling to consider. I know for myself, I'm very patterned about what I eat and what I drink when I'm at home, but the routine is totally off when we travel. And I noticed that I lose track of how much hydration I'm consuming. So that's something to be mindful of as you're planning your vacation is pack a bottle to carry with you so that you can stay hydrated throughout the day. According to the Cleveland Clinic, men need 3.7 liters of water per day and women need 2.7 liters. And that depends on activity level, size, your metabolism and weather conditions, but that's just a, a general rule of thumb. But don't feel like you have to consume all that via water because according to the Cleveland Clinic, about 20% of the water you need will come from the food that you consume. Yeah, as far as planning ahead too, this is probably taking a little bit of a tangent, but another thing that we did not plan for well when we did our two weeks of training while on the road out west is we did not think about laundry. And so many of our accommodations, we did not have access to a washer and dryer. So if you're going to be traveling and planning to work out, really think about reserving housing that has access to a washer and dryer. Otherwise, your luggage is going to get a little rank. <laughs> Stanky. <laughs> we did finally land at a hotel that had a washing machine and dryer, and it took forever because there were a lot of people who were wanting to use the one washing machine and one dryer that functioned in that hotel. That's a good tidbit to add. Also, related to hydration, you want to avoid alcohol as you're training, but if you are partaking of alcohol, it's a good idea to drink a glass of water after every alcoholic beverage because the alcohol actually dehydrates you. And as far as food goes, it's okay to try different foods and, and get off your routine. A few donuts or desserts are not going to destroy your potential for your big race day, but in general, Try to maintain healthy eating in both quality and quantity, but don't feel guilty if you splurge a little bit. Then if you're traveling several time zones away, jet lag might be an issue. And in, in the weeks leading up to your travel plans, start making minor adjustments to your bedtime to help you start adjusting to the time zone. And then plan ahead for your flight so that you'll be as comfortable as possible. You might want a pillow you know, one of those neck pillows or earplugs or a sleep mask. But when you are awake on a long flight or a long car ride, it's a really good idea to get up every once in a while and stretch your legs 
every hour or so so that you're not stiff when you get to your destination. Another thing to keep in mind when you're traveling is elevation differences and how that will impact your training. If you're going to a higher elevation, you're going to be more fatigued. You're going to need more hydration. If it's a significant increase, you might have some headaches or dizziness, and it may take you a while to acclimate. But assuming that you're able to train, your pacing may need to be different. If you're going to a lower elevation, you're going to be running more quickly than your home location. And if you're going to a higher elevation, the same RPE is going to be a slower pace. And RPE is rate of perceived exertion. Vacations are such a blessing. We're so fortunate in the United States to be able to travel to a lot of different beautiful and safe locations, but it's also a blessing to be able to train. And you can balance both vacation and training if you communicate and you plan ahead. So I wanted to talk about a few potential vacation spots that include training. What do you think about that? Interesting. My brother was over the other day. And he had done the George Hincapi Grand Fondo in Chattanooga. And he came back talking about a opportunity to ride with Lance Armstrong in Mallorca, Spain. And so I did some research on that. Lance and George Hincapi are hosting a cycling vacation this year. And they're opening it up to 12 guests at a cost of 30000 per guest, and you get to ride with them for five days. What do you think about that? I think I am probably not in that wealth category. Yeah. In my mind, that's right up there with paying for a flight to outer space. <laughs> I think a flight to outer space is going to cost <laughs> a little bit more than thirty grand. I might pay thirty grand for a flight to outer space. I heard this morning on the radio about a hotel that is going to be built in outer space. Yeah, I might pay thirty grand to go stay in a hotel in outer space, but I'm not going to pay thirty grand to go to Spain and ride a bike. I could ride a bike in Spain a lot cheaper. And you're not going to be able to keep up with Lance anyway? No. All right. And I'm not a big fangirl type person anyway. I respect athletes and what they're able to do. And I learn a lot from studying and reviewing the body of work of other athletes. But I don't really fangirl them. That's good to know. Men or women, you know. Yeah. Learn a lot from them. Have a lot of respect for them. But I'm not going to pay $30,000 to ride a bike with them. <laughs> no, me either. So there are also swim camps. There are running camps. There are triathlon camps. There are other cycling camps. So there's lots of opportunities to travel, to see beautiful locations, to decompress, get away from your daily life. If you're traveling by yourself or traveling with other training partners. So another thing that made me think about this podcast topic was your Jack and Jill race is July 30th and 31st. Assuming I do it, I have not registered for this said race. And if you are running this said race, we have a vacation earlier in July. We do, but it's a vacation where we're staying put for a week. My point being is that it's important for us to figure out where you're going to be training and plan your calendar so that 
that particular week is more of a down week so that you will shock the world at your A race if this becomes your first A race of the season. We shall see. I've already had a couple of B races this season, and I really want Chicago to be an A race, so I'm just trying to work out can I have an A race in July and an A race in October. So I'm still just kind of working through that a little bit. Yeah. To be determined. So I did a simple Google search on where to run in Gulf Shores, Alabama. And the best site I found for Gulf Shores was on greatruns.com. So I've already got you lined out on several places you can run. Oh. I got you taken care of. Do any of these places involve Greyhound bus stations? I don't think so. Then I'm on board. All right. Well, you just let me know when you decide if you're running Jack and Jill. So here's a scripture to close out the podcast. It is from Second Chronicles chapter 15, verse 7. I think this is maybe the third Chronicles scripture we've used lately in our podcast. Go ahead. All scripture is inspired by God <laughs> and profitable. I know. It's just fun to find nuggets in Chronicles. There's a lot of good stuff in the Old Testament. There is. Second Chronicles 15, verse 7. But you, take courage. Do not let your hands be weak, for your work shall be rewarded. Even when you're on vacation. At RYR Endurance Team... We specialize in customized coaching. What is customized coaching? It's more than a training plan. It's a relationship. It's a partnership. So what are your goals? What are you training for? Contact us at ryrcoach at gmail.com or visit us on our website, ryrenduranceteam.com. Hey, if you enjoy our podcast, please do us a favor. Give us a five-star review and subscribe. This helps others find us. Thanks for listening.